Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to our series on Christianity. We're just going to leave it at that. Uh, We are now on part six of Christianity, religious trauma, and the marginalized community, a.k.a. Western Christianity, and how it affects the marginalized people, and so many more titles that I've given it at this point. Uh, But yeah, the series just keeps growing. Every time I think I'm going to be talking about two or three things in a series, it ends up being just one thing. And Mm -hmm. that's where we are today once again. But before we start, there is content warning. We are talking about religious trauma, sickness, domestic violence, and divorce. And I know divorce can be a sticky subject, especially if you're going through one or you're going through bad parts in your marriage and you don't want to hear about it. We're talking all about divorce today. So go ahead and skip Mm -hmm. this one, just so you know. (laughs) Um, and as a quick review, Annie, because I know I've been stringing you along in this entire series as I'm like, hey, <laughs> we'll do this as another day or longer <laughs> than I thought. Uh, let's just do the quick review. We've talked about women in Western Christian communities and traditions, religious trauma, which is, you know, present all throughout, mm-hmm. the misogyny that heavily influences this culture, the toxicity of purity culture, which also seems to be a whole topic in every single one of our episodes, um, sexual abuse in Southern Baptist Convention, uh, courting, marriage, yeah. and motherhood, which was a fun one. And today we are continuing down that look of relationships, I guess, uh, with a look at Western Christianity and divorce. Um, and right now we are going to talk... Uh, pretty in-depth about divorce. Some of it doesn't really have to do with religion. We're just kind of talking about some of the process and some of the conversations and statistics. This is mainly applied to the United States because I know, and we want to come back because we had a fun conversation. And I say fun in that we were both like, huh, I wonder what this is, what this is about Mm -hmm. how to get a divorce. Yeah, because I didn't know that there were 
all these stipulations that you can't just get a divorce. <laughs> well, so we're going to talk about the no-fault divorce in a minute. Apparently, there's mm-hmm. other things that have been put in place for a while, but it's about how people contest things and how it gets mm-hmm. messy. So, And different states have different rules and different uh, belief systems and b- different kind of communities in, in um, denominations also have their own rules. Yeah. But all of that. And then different countries have their own rules as well. So mm-hmm. we're centering this around the United States. Uh, and yes, eventually it does come back to how Christianity uh, handles divorce as well. So I promise this all applies. <laughs> it's I relevant, believe y'all. you. <laughs> so before we start, I kind of wanted to talk about my personal experience about divorce in my church that I grew up with, because this is a very personal subject, uh, growing up very religious uh, and coming out of religion as I knew it. Um, and I've seen the emails that y'all have been sending about this. Thank you so much. I know people have been connecting with what I've been saying, as well as people who are still involved in the church and finding their own path, and it's beautiful. Um, thank you for those messages. But yeah, I kind of want to talk about what I experienced. And again, my church is a little different. It's not big in that it's a, it's a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's not a part of the Presbyterian churches. It's not a part of uh, any of those denominations. It kind of has an independent uh, feel about it, and it's very local. So this experience can be unique in that way, but I feel like overall, especially when it comes to old school way of thinking, and when we talk about uh, the traveling preachers and all of that, this is kind of that circuit that this is the influence that fell um, onto my community, like that, that hellfire brimstone level. Um, So growing up in a small town in Georgia, the word divorce had so many implications. It was a sin, and I'm going to put a capital S, sin. Um, Divorce was not only a personal failure, but a moral failure and a failure on your family, Uh, one that had to be answered in front of the church, Vixie Church. Though in my experience, the members did not necessarily have to get permission from the church, but oftentimes had to go after the fact to face the deacons or leaders, typically men, of the church. And if they were not satisfied with the answer, you would be reprimanded and oftentimes expelled from that church. So your membership would be done. And I don't, as a kid, when I heard membership, your name was in the book, I thought it was a literal thing. I don't think it is. But maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe. But that's how it, that's how I pictured this. Because mm-hmm. um, I will say when I was quote unquote saved, became a member, um, I didn't sign anything. So I don't know how that <laughs> happened. I did say I wanted to be part of this church in front of the members. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I bet churches do that differently. I feel like my church had like a book of Membership? members. Yeah. I, there may be one. I, I really don't know, but I'm like, I don't. And then they had to take letters. Like if they wanted to uh, go to a different church, they had to take their letter. And I was like, is that physical? Is that a physical thing? And I've never personally <laughs> seen it though. So uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. It's a whole thing. It um, is. But yeah, <laughs> the level of shame placed on people getting divorced uh, is overwhelming. Uh, the way they looked down on divorce and even in pregnancy outside of marriage and God forbid, abortion was extreme. Having an affair or even an, uh, even abusing a spouse was less shameful, mostly justifying it as a, quote, mistake. Even, again, we talked about it with uh, people hiding sexual abuse within the church, uh, hiding uh, all of those things and being like, they made a mistake of rewording it. They right. sinned, they sinned against their marriage instead of being like, no, you, you raped somebody. That's 
That's bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will say maybe murder would be considered on that level, but only <laughs> if that murder was not justified uh, for a holy reason. Oh, dear. And sometimes even excusing husbands who killed their wives. Um, recent articles written about the man who killed his entire family had so many excerpts talking about how godly he was and how attentive he was to his church. His family, his like mom and dad, siblings, made sure that his obituary and messages from acquaintances only acknowledged how godly and Christian-like he was. Even having the audacity to say he'd loved his murdered family and fought to keep them together, never admitting to his abusive and overall deadly treatment of them. It was Mm -hmm. horrifying. Um, And if I remember correctly, his church supported that statement. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you look at murders like the Atlanta spa shootings and murders of so many queer people that have often been praised by extremist conservatives and Christian nationalists. Um, again, we're talking about recently uh, any of the Black Lives Matter uh, protest murders that have happened, whether it's, uh, I don't even want to talk about him, Kyle, what's his face? I don't want to acknowledge him. Or people like that, uh, the dude in Texas who used his vehicle to hurt people, they've been praising him instead of acknowledging, hey, this is bad. Why are you condoning this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it it isn't shocking that morality is judged harsher than actual murder and abuse. But that's a different episode. I was going to talk about it in this episode, but I didn't have time. We don't have time for that. So that's (laughs) going to be a whole different conversation. (sighs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and my parents have been together for over 50 years now. And I've mentioned it before that they're really happily married. I, I, I think they've really weathered the harshest storms together. Um, they've beat the odds. And I'm pretty sure they'll die together. <laughs> and I don't mean mm-hmm. like they're going to make a pact or anything. Right. But like if one goes, the other one is going to follow soon after. And that's like, that's the happiest thing I can think for them. So they don't have mm-hmm. to be without each other. But my siblings are a whole different story. And I'm not going to get too into their stuff. But I will say each one went through their own messy divorce with an unhealthy dose of guilt. Uh, but each would say they are happier and don't regret their decisions. Uh, I think our church was shocked, and a lot of judgment was passed. Uh, It was a rocky time for our family. The amount of people who have known us all of our lives have seen us grow up in that church who actually turned their backs on our family was astounding. It was, and I was young. I was, uh, I guess it was middle school when things were happening. And to see that reaction from somewhere that I thought I was loved was was a, a shocking moment. So much so that we didn't talk to those people, and we still don't talk to those people till this day. It's been more than a decade since this, these incidents. More, I think probably longer. It's been a mm-hmm. long, long time, probably 20 years for some of these things. I don't know. Um, and it caused a huge divide in our church community. They took sides and made sure you knew which side they were on. If they didn't take a side, uh, it was because they felt sorry for us, but didn't want to say it to our face because they didn't want the other people who were judging us to feel like they were taking sides. So it was really, really, really uh, interesting. It was bitter and it was gross and uh, it was very unforgiving. And it didn't matter the reason, it didn't matter what the justification was, it was divorce and that was bad. And my family wasn't the only one that went through this. Any divorced individual felt that really harsh sting of judgment that many of the elders felt justified in passing and may even call them out during sermons. Um, Many of these people fled from the church, feeling unwelcomed and excommunicated and isolated themselves away from any of the people of that church, literally hid away 
from some of the members. Uh, but instead of being angry at the people who felt that they had to, the authority to shame anyone and everyone, they just felt guilty and felt like they deserved this. And for so many, felt like this ruined their lives. I will, my family, again, are, are at the end of like understanding what they had to do, they had to do. Um, and they can't change people's minds. But so many others let this ruin their lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exaggerating. They, they wouldn't even come to the parking lot of the church because they felt that ashamed. And if they did, they made sure to stay in the car and have the windows rolled up so no one would see them. Uh, and I know wow. many have felt the shame and judgment. And it's old-fashioned. Though the times have changed, the traditions and moral judgments still remain. Like I said, we don't talk to these people. So... With that bitterness in mind, (laughs) 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 I will say, I think it's a partial reason why I'm not married and I don't care about marriage because I've seen what people do in this level of like, I can judge you if things go wrong. But, right. so we're going to talk about it and we're going to talk about it since I've given all the personal accounts in a more statistical way Mm -hmm. first. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. So when it comes to divorce, the statistics do vary. Um, Although most of us have heard that almost 50% of marriages end in divorce, but when it comes to what the numbers are really and what are the numbers when it comes to gender and to religion specifically to Western Christianity, that's a bit harder to pin down too, right? Um, Just recently, Forbes published an article titled Revealing Divorce Statistics in 2023, And we wanted to share some of the findings that they reported. The half of the marriages ending in divorce statistic actually only applies to first marriages. But for those who may be in their second or third marriage, which is the highest divorce rate around 73%, they are more likely to get divorced. The average length of a marriage before divorce is eight years. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the divorce rates have gone down over the years, with the exception of a small spike during lockdown and the initial pandemic. Um, But so have the rates of marriage. Right. But again, who is getting divorced? It looks like people who have friends that are divorced are more likely to get divorced. You're going to get influenced. I don't think that's true, but whatever. <laughs> I guess, Influenced. Uh, for me, again, I just don't get married. Uh, <laughs> the remarrying thing is a factor. Uh, more boomers are getting divorced with an increase of 46% divorce rate for ages 55 to 64, which I found interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the average age of people getting divorced is 46 for men and 44 for women. So I'm, I'm, I'm a prime. Again, thank goodness I'm not married, I guess. <laughs> people with high school education are less are more likely to get divorced as well. Um, So why are they getting divorced? The number one reason is lack of commitment, uh, followed by infidelity and affairs. And again, the final straw is often something specific like domestic violence, affairs, and substance abuse. Uh, But the article also writes, quote, interestingly, couples often disagree on what the final straw was that led to the end of their marriage. In fact, not a single couple reported the same deciding issue as the ultimate reason for the end of their marriage, which I think says a lot to the communication part. (laughs) Yes, I think it does as well. (laughs) One other interesting statistic before we talk about the religious portion, women are far more likely to initiate the divorce. According to that Forbes report, 69% of divorces are initiated by women. And if you break it down specifically, the report stated that 7 out of 10 dissolutions are initiated by women. And this is based on heterosexual 
relationships. But there's been a lot of conversations recently on why women are leaving. In a 2022 BBC article titled Why Women File for Divorce More Than Men, they talk about different factors as to why women are leaving. Um, And here are some of the reasons. Being able to be independent. Unlike the old traditional ways of men being breadwinners, women are more educated and more successful in their careers and have become more ambitious. As the article says, quote, women's entry into the workforce enabled them to leave unhappy marriages for the first time. They were no longer financially bound to remain in abusive partnerships or relationships where their needs were not being met. And women thus began to initiate divorces at greater scale. And it goes on, uh, quote, this also helps explain why women with university-level education are so much more likely to end a marriage. Across cultures and geographies, women who are economically able to take care of themselves, which usually is tied to higher education levels, are more likely to initiate divorce than women who are unable to economically sustain themselves and their children, adds Heidi Carr, a psychologist and expert on domestic violence at the U.S.-based Education Development Center. Right. And on top of that, there are also emotional factors Uh, between the social construction of women being more of the emotional caregivers, as well as being more socially constructed to be emotionally intelligent. Women typically have higher expectations than what is being met emotionally by the husbands. And again, we are talking heteronormative relationships and standards. Uh, Here's a long quote from the BBC article. For many women, uh, the expectations they have when they enter marriage may fail to match up to reality. Experts say they often have a higher expectation of how a partner will meet their emotional needs than men, which can lead to disappointment post-wedding. Gliza Fort Martinez, a specialist in conflict resolutions, says because men are usually socialized to have lower emotional intelligence than women, this can lead to female partners feeling unsupported and doing much of the emotional labor in the relationship, which also means women are more finely attuned to problems and relationship red flags. And their tendency to be the primary communicators and empathizers means that they may also be the first to raise issues, perhaps ultimately resulting in separation or divorce. Women also tend to gain fewer emotional benefits from marriage, which could make single life seem more appealing. While married men experience multiple perks, including living longer and earning more money, women don't usually benefit from their relationships in the same way. Instead, they bear the brunt of household and child-rearing labor, which can leave working women, quote, overwhelmed and stressed, says Fort Martinez. So in another article written specifically from a divorce law firm, the Jimenez Law Firm, they talk about the factor of men not paying attention to their own mental health needs, which often leaves the wives taking on more emotional responsibility. So here's a quote from their article. By not taking care of their own mental health or working on their communication skills, women find themselves taking on more emotional responsibility. Occasionally, they end up being the only emotional support for the entire family. Without the assistance of their partner, this emotional burden takes its toll on women. They often feel alone and as they have no support system within their marriage. The mental, physical, and emotional toll of that overburdening responsibility is a major contributing factor when women are considering divorce. Uh, Then there's also the social factor. One thing we've seen in heterosexual relationships a lot is that men do not have many close friends. We've talked about that before. Um, It is more likely that women continue and maintain close friendships. Um, Another quote from that BBC article said, uh, women, quote, have a better support system both to discuss any marital issues as well as to ease the transition back into single life. It's also possible these friendships make divorce seem like a more plausible option. Research suggests that if a close friend gets divorced, people's own chances of divorcing rise by 75%. 
Mm. The mm. influencing, there you go. There you go, there ah. it is. <laughs> Those same friends. <laughs> and one of the other reasons why women may be initiating the great divorce is just simply for a resolution. The BBC article writes, filing for divorce isn't the same as ending a marriage. While research shows women in heterosexual marriages are more likely to initiate the breakup, there are also women who didn't choose to end their relationship but want our need to formalize the split nonetheless. Quote, women tend to be more motivated than men to resolve their marital status, says Katie Spooner, partner and head of family law at Winkworth Sherwood, London. She says based on her client record, most men are happy to remain separated unless there is a new relationship or particular imperative to sort their finances. Right. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer... Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. There is a reason where men may be the one to file for divorce instead of uh, women, and that's because of illness. Um, one of the first things that pop up when we research divorce in marriages uh, has been articles on men leaving women due to illness. In fact, when I put in Google men divorce, it automatically autofilled with sick wives, which made me very angry. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is even being talked about on TikTok. I've seen this. Often, mm -hmm. it, is, it hurts me. It hurts my feelings. Um, yeah. So what's happening? So in a 2009 Reuters article titled, Men More Likely Than Women to Leave a Partner with Cancer, they write, Women are six times more likely to end up separated or divorced if they are diagnosed with cancer or multiple sclerosis than if their male partners were facing the same illness. And this is according to a U.S. study. The study confirmed earlier research of a divorce or separation rate among cancer patients of 11.6%, similar to the general population, but found the rate jumped to 20.8% when the woman was sick versus 2.9% when the man was ill. And apparently, 14 years later, that hasn't changed. In another article written for Today.com, Men are more likely to leave their wives if sickness is involved. Here's a quote from that article. 
They decided to do a study after noticing divorce appeared to occur almost exclusively when the wife was the disease-afflicted partner. The phenomenon was called partner abandonment in patients with serious medical illness. The results were based on 515 patients at three medical centers who had a brain tumor, cancer, or multiple sclerosis, and were married at the time of diagnosis. About half were women. When the patients were followed for four to five years to see if their marital status changed, it turned out the woman was the affected spouse in almost 90% of separations, with the female gender found to be the strongest predicator of separation or divorce. And in that article, the author of the study explains, Men may be very well-equipped to be primary providers, but not so well-equipped to be primary caregivers, Dr. Mark Chamberlain, the study co-author, told today. I think men are challenged in caring for someone who has disease and treatment-related symptoms, managing the stress, managing the logistics. Right. And there are many articles uh, writing about the level of unpreparedness of men becoming caretakers uh, and taking on any type of household responsibility. So here's a quote from a Guardian article. Tomer, a sociologist from the University of Alabama who studies how gender affects couples when a partner gets sick, says in most couples, people understand they will need to support their partner if they get sick. But, she says, men and women interpret what caregiving looks like very differently. Men tend to view the partner getting sick in almost a mechanical way. They see it as a problem to be solved. They can separate out the obvious and immediate physical tasks that result from the illness, but other caregiving requirements are left unconsidered, such as emotional care or housework, which I feel like that's physical, but okay. (laughs) Uh, This means that a lot of the time, women continue to do that work, and when they don't, problems can arise. And they continue talking about a study completed uh, in Germany. Quote, in 2018, researchers in Germany used a nationally representative sample to show that as long as they are still able to, women continue to do an uneven amount of the housework while they are sick, if that was the dynamic in the relationship before they became unwell. Particularly with more mild conditions, the expectation is that the status quo will go on unless it gets so extreme that the wife really can't do the work, says Tomer. The flip side of this is that relationships tend to function well when the woman gets sick and requires intensive care from her partner. But in cases where caregiving is not necessitated, men tend to downplay a woman's symptoms and class her as largely self-sufficient, expecting her to ask for help rather than proactively giving it. Communication fails even in sickness, but many of the reports are worse. They give examples of women who are expected to continue with daily chores, even in pain or immediately after surgery. And if the routines are disrupted for too long, the household falls apart. And this includes sexual activity. Women discussed how they would take painkillers in order to not upset their spouses when it came to sexual expectations. Yeah, the it was pretty explicit. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I don't. Oh. I hate all of this for you. Um, of course, we've already <laughs> talked about how sex and marriages are expected and and automated, but whatever. Uh, and on that <laughs> note, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the statistics when it comes to Christianity and divorce. So, some of the reports are saying Christians are getting divorced more than any other religion. Is that true? That's the question. And the answer is simple: yes. But there are several factors to that statistic. Uh, The broad term of Christianity can be misleading. According to the Pew Research Center study, evangelical Protestants had a 14% divorce rate, uh, while historical Black Protestants had a 19%, uh, mainline Protestants a 12% divorce percentage, and they were among the highest of the divorce rates, uh, which in that same study included the Hinduism, Buddhist, and Muslim, and other religions. But when you put them all together, that's a big chunk of Protestants. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And another report showed that at least 25% of Christians have gone through a divorce. 
And the numbers are pretty steady today. Here's a quote from an older article on divorce statistics between Christians and, quote, non-believers. According to the survey uh, by the Barna Group, which is an organization that focuses on research on the intersection of faith and culture, um, 30% of atheists and agnostics had been married and subsequently divorced. But the Barna Group pointed out that they have lower rates of marriage, 65%, and a higher likelihood of cohabitation. Uh, Barna also stated in a 2004 survey that one can understand why atheists and agnostics might have a higher rate of divorce since they are less likely to believe in concepts such as sin, absolute moral truth, and judgment. Yet the survey found that the percentage of atheists and agnostics who have been married and divorced is 30% still less than the numbers for the born-again population of 33%. So why is this happening? Yeah, so we have several reasons, uh, according to conservative Christians. Now, everything we're saying is coming from Christian articles. Again, my algorithm is real messed up, real messed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I did find it interesting, and I can't wait to not be on this algorithm. Um, <laughs> women are falling under the trap of feminism. The idea mm. of independence and being able to leave without justification, not cool. Also, a big common factor in conservative Christian blogs is the refusal to acknowledge gender as the binary aspect. So they really don't like any of this conversation we're having today. When feminism confuses the role of gender, again, not us, not Annie and I are saying this. This is, again, <laughs> from this article. Mm-hmm. Then family and marriage roles fall apart. Here's advice from an article from The Federalist, and I really hated that I clicked on this. (laughs) Quote, successful relationships depend on men being men and women being women. Every fiber of a woman's being calls out for a man with whom she can feel physically and emotionally safe, and money is part of that equation. Yes, women now earn their own money, and that is not going to change. But what can change is our attitude and approach to love. What men and women look for in a relationship and what they need from each other within that relationship is not the same. Being malleable with gender role is great, but ignoring biology is not. After all these years, women still want security and men still want to provide that security. The more a relationship moves away from this reality, the more it will struggle. The more a relationship moves toward it, the more successful it will be, which is, again... (laughs) Ironic, according to the statistics we just read. Mm-hmm. Also, hello from 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, our goal was written in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in other articles giving advice to men about how to restore their marriage or keep their wives, they often tell men to be authoritative, but with submissive cards which is not necessarily wrong. Think of it as disciplining a child and trying not to push the child away, but gently nudging them to the answer you want them to give. Does it seem condescending? Yes, (laughs) I think. Um, Here's a snippet uh, from one article called An Epidemic of Christian Wives Divorcing. Quote, For the majority of these men, nothing seems to work. They try being loving and affectionate just to be rejected. They try devotions and prayer together, and she has some excuse why she can't do it. They call her out on her sins, and she gets more and more angry and bitter. Some have tried it all, from being submissive themselves for a month to their wives to prove it's not so hard, then to becoming a man of the manosphere and taking leadership whether they have a follower or not. Nothing they try seems to work, and often the wife will confess in her less angry moments, I know I am the problem, but I don't know how to stop it. 
One would think that just saying that would be a big breakthrough, as the awareness that I am the problem should, in a healthy mind, begin to seek solutions to unhealthy behaviors. But in many cases, the final results are Christian wives walking away from their marriages in epidemic numbers because they are seeking relief from the pain that they themselves are causing. And it's not over yet. Uh, The blog keeps going, saying, Perhaps the root cause is a desire for control as the feminist lies are now planted firmly in most of the young Christian wives' hearts. No longer do they go into a marriage with an attitude that believes love is sacrificial giving of oneself to another, but rather love is now a two-way street that says, I cannot love you if I do not feel I am getting from you what I believe I need. I just... (laughs) I want to take a minute on this article. In that same article, they never talk about why the women are leaving. They just say because Mm -hmm. they refuse to work on the marriage. Right. So when I say it's generalized to specific cases, they don't even give examples of why the women are unhappy. This Mm -hmm. blew my mind. I was like, why? Really? Women want a two-way street? Wait, what? That's a bad thing? (laughs) Instead of sacrificing herself. But, you know, whatever, whatnot. And by the way, the article Mm -hmm. was a man who supposedly his wife uh, gave the thumbs up to this article saying, yes, exactly exactly right. Which is what you're supposed to do with a wife, right? Oh, wow. Damn Mm. feminism. Damn feminism. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, if you're confused about the evils of feminism, here's a quote from the girldefined.com, which I think we talked about their their, uh, site before. At its root, feminism is built upon a foundation completely devoid of God. The feminist movement is woven with the same sin Satan committed in the beginning, a rebellious heart that pridefully says, I don't need you, God. Thanks, but I'll do things my way. I'm so good at acting. (laughs) And they continue saying, the average American will agree that most feminists strongly stand for the following, a woman's right to abort murder, her unborn baby, lesbianism, and the right for women to marry women, complete liberation from sexual boundaries and morals, freedom from traditional gender roles in marriage, rejection of God as the ultimate authority in life. Um, you know, outside of the wording and the fear-mongering, they're not yeah. completely wrong. Uh, no, I was going, yeah. <laughs> I do feel like a woman should be able to wear, marry a woman if they're in love. I do feel like, you know, liberating from sexual boundaries of saying that we have to be here for men's pleasure is not a bad mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, traditional gender roles suck, and that's why people are getting divorced. But okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever, sure, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but I will say... Uh, for that last bit, I know a lot of Christian feminists who would disagree with this completely. Uh, but again, there is binary thinking when it comes to yeah. this specific line of don't leave, ever leave people. Mm-hmm. Divorce is sin. <laughs> right. <laughs> and according to another blog titled Why Feminism Wants to Dismantle the Family, quote, like many isms before it, communism, religions, cults, feminism seeks to dismantle the traditional family unit for its own gain. Why? To the ism, old loyalties are like bad habits interfering with an individual's ability to pledge unwavering allegiance. Isms want control, but families tend to put family members and their needs before the demands of the ism, reducing the ism's power and influence and therefore undermining its control. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how they put religions in there. I know. I don't like <laughs> cultism. Is that a word? Religionism? <laughs> I'm 
a little too literal, I think. <laughs> but okay. Um, and if y'all want to read this glorious article yourself, uh, let us know. But the author of this blog cites several anti-feminist articles and books, including uh, from The Flip Side of Feminism, where they use this quote from it. Quote, feminists realize all too well that they can never achieve a level playing field in the marketplace as long as their male competitors have the advantage of homemaker wives. Women on the left know that in order to get ahead more easily, they must deprive men of their advantage in having stay-at-home wives. The desire to eliminate the full-time homemaker has been feminist's goal all along. The need for a second income was never the goal. Which I find hilarious. Uh... They give a lot of credit <laughs> to I know women. They really do to women who just want to be able to sustain, just in case. Like at the at the <laughs> beginning, it was more of like, oh, I don't want to be abused mm-hmm. and treated as uh, a servant anymore. To they're undermining marriage, and this is the goal <laughs> the entire time. I'm like, oh, okay, let's, they're on to us. Let's do a playbook here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> The author from the same blog expands on this idea, saying, quote, Feminism has made some progress over the last several decades. If you look at the poorest and least socially mobile areas in America, you will notice one variable consistently lacking, fathers. More specifically, mothers who are married to the father of their children. Over the last few decades, the birth rate for unmarried women in the U.S. has risen steadily from 18% in 1980 to 41% in 2012. Alarmingly, the majority of moms believe that absent or uninvolved dads can easily be replaced themselves or another man, despite the evidence that stable marriages lead to happy, healthy, and motivated kids, which leads to stronger communities, more opportunities, and greater equality. I, I find it, again... Quite funny. That whole last line is obviously an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. <laughs> right. Also a very kind of funnily <laughs> worded one. But yeah, sure. We've definitely heard that argument before. Yep. The blog talks more about the perils of feminism in regards to motherhood, politics, and marriage. But I think we got we got that covered for now. <laughs> An interesting theory she brings and so many other articles bring is the idea that things like divorce and child support are too easy to access and that encourages more women to leave their husbands. Right. Recently, the topic of no-fault divorce has been trending. Right-wing conservative Steven Crowder has been lamenting, and I mean just whining, uh, his current <laughs> marital status, which is now no longer a thing. Uh, he told his audience about his recent divorce, quote, no, this was not my choice. My then-wife decided that she didn't want to be married anymore. And in the state of Texas, that is completely permitted. This was, by the way, an accusation, not just a (laughs) statement. Mm -hmm. Here's what a no-fault divorce is. It allows a couple to divorce without blame or fault. Um, It is often the simplest path in divorce available in a state, and it exists in all 50 states and D.C., according to LegalZoom.com. And it explains further, uh, no-fault divorce allows one spouse to file for divorce without blaming the other or indicating that it was either spouse's fault. The terminology differs with each state's no-fault divorce laws, but to obtain a no-fault divorce, the spouse who files simply needs to state that there has been irreconcilable differences or incompatibility. And in some states, living apart for a specific period of time can be the reason for a no-fault divorce. And I've heard that before. Just being separated is enough. And conservatives are not a fan and are wanting to end no-fault divorce. When we say conservatives, I'm talking about political figureheads. Mm -hmm. 
In a recent Rolling Stone magazine article, they write, quote, Republicans across the country are now reconsidering no-fault divorce. There isn't a huge mystery behind the campaign, like the crusades against abortion and contraception, making it more difficult to leave an unhappy marriage is about control. Crowder's home state could be the first to eliminate it if the Texas GOP gets its way. Last year, the Republican Party of Texas added language to its platform calling for an end to no-fault divorce. In it, they said, we urge the legislators to rescind unilateral no-fault divorce laws to support covenant marriage and to pass legislation extending the period of time in which a divorce may occur to six months after the date of filing for divorce. And this is what we were talking about, about how to file for divorces, because it does, a lot of states do have this type of stipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's interesting, the wording covenant marriage. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> and of course, other conservative states are following suit. Here's another quote from that article. It's not just Texas. A similar proposal is presently being workshopped by the Republican Party of Louisiana. The Nebraska GOP has affirmed its belief that no-fault divorce should only be accessible to couples without children. At the Republican National Convention in 2016, the last time the party platform was overhauled, delegates considered adding language declaring, quote, children are made to be loved by both natural parents united in marriage. Legal structures such as no-fault divorce, which divides families and empowers the state, should be replaced by a fault-based divorce. It's unclear whether the party's twice-divorced nominee for president weighed in on the debate at that time. Right. Mm. I feel like this is going to hurt a lot of politicians. This is going to hurt a lot of conservatives. Again, as we heard that the rates of divorce in Christianity is higher, it makes you question. And also, I feel like less people are going to get married and have children, (laughs) which is the opposite of what uh, Christian nationalists want. (laughs) But, you know, whatever. Right, 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 right. And yes, no surprise, just as they said in the article, uh, this is a large conversation on control and loss of autonomy. In an older article about no-fault divorce, they write that things like no-fault divorce is an attack to the sanctity of marriage, even more so than gay marriage, and is another strategy by feminists. Ah, Here's a couple of quotes from this 2005 article. The most forthright marriage advocates recognize that, as Michael McCannis of Marriage Savers writes, divorce is far more grievous blow to marriage than today's challenge by gays. Predictably, this fact has been seized upon by advocates of same-sex marriage. The weakening of marriage has been heterosexuals doing, not gays, for it is their infidelity, divorce rates, and single-parent families that have wrought social damage, opines The Economist. This distinction ignores the fact that the two problems are closely connected. Gay marriage would probably not be an issue in the first place if marriage had not already been weakened by divorce. Interesting. And according to this same article, divorce is a part of the feminist strategy. Uh, They write, Today, feminist operatives employ similar strategies to encourage divorce worldwide, often inserting it unnoticed and unopposed into programs for Human rights. And unilateral divorce is now one of the first measures implemented by leftist governments. In 2005, wasn't it Bush? Yeah, I think, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. uh, Uh Yeah, so again, feminist operatives. Yeah, that's us. That's pretty badass. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I know. <laughs> Thank so, you. Um, and if feminism is a strategic plant to destroy families, then obviously Christian conservatives must combat uh, the way they know how through fear and shame. 
For example, what happens when a woman in an unhappy marriage is desperate for the next steps? Well, let's look at some blogs and articles for advice. I'm going to read this. One blog offers 14 characteristics of a godly wife that will save your marriage. So we're going to go down this list. Uh, Obviously, it's reading the Bible, being persistent in prayer, giving godly wifely love, uh, forgiving, being selfless, think in a godly manner, use words of affirmation and appreciation and admiration, being a leader, but with the husband, of course, uh, being virtuous by understanding men. And they actually say virtuous by understanding men. Um, and to elaborate on that, they say, quote, when you as a godly wife take the time to learn how men understand things, you take a huge step in saving your marriage. You're welcome. Uh, again, <laughs> respect your husband, having a biblical priorities and a, being a virtuous woman in the community. And I don't think I've mentioned the whole Proverbs 31 woman which is an Old Testament, if you go, I, it used to be a thing where you would find your birth date, go to that verse, and that's supposed to describe you. Oh. It's terrifying. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, but that, that's a solution. Um, another offers a simple solution. Uh, this article titled, How to Be Happy in an Unhappy Marriage, suggests changing your focus and expectations. And it's not completely wrong, um, as the article says. Marriage isn't a Hollywood or a Harlequin romance, and it's something that is about compromise and work. But it suggests, like the article above, that marriage is for God, and that's the focus. Uh, it doesn't really offer much guidance outside of that. It literally had like two paragraphs. And, and yeah, again, it's similar to what we just saw, aka pray, read the Bible, follow the rules of the Bible, and your marriage will be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and as a side note, we also found an interesting conversation about purity culture, once again, uh, <laughs> and the effects of marrying young for the sake of sexual purity. Again, I have so many friends and couples who fall under this line of thinking. We want to have sex, but we want to save ourselves our marriage. So let's get married. Uh, 19, 20, 21. And here's a quote from the Cedarville interpreter. I believe Cedarville is a school. Quote, a practical issue with sexual abstinence until marriage is that Christians are driven to marry young in order to be able to have sex without any guilt. Virginity is held as a pinnacle of purity and pride, which, if nothing else, raises its own unnecessary pedestal that all too often borders on sexual idolatry. Getting married too young for the wrong reasons and having unreasonable expectations of how amazing being married will be can be a catalyst for unhappy marriages and divorce. This rush to get married also leaves fewer opportunities to find major red flags that should suggest ending a relationship before marriage. Yeah, and again, uh, being a part of the Christian culture in college and high school, it really hits the nail on the head. I the literal reason they got married is we love each other enough. We're about to sin. So let's go ahead and go and we'll, we'll grow old together and God will mm-hmm. handle everything else. And then they end up in a horrible <laughs> divorce. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it too. <laughs> yeah. So, so bad. This episode is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. 
With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So what happens when uh, divorce does happen? And what happens to women? Uh, Like I mentioned before, a lot of people would flee from the judgment of old-fashioned ideas uh, or what I would deem as old-fashioned. But uh, sometimes people would come back with the hope that enough time had passed for people to either forget or at least not care as much. But for the most part, I don't think anyone ever really felt comfortable coming back to the original churches or felt that they were still a part of that community. Yes, And with all the Turn to God articles urging people to, yes, just turn to God, pray and work it out, um, there are those who decided to do what was best for them. But uh, something interesting we found is that they all still felt that the church and church leadership had a lot of say in that decision. In one woman's words, as she had gone to the church to help her volatile marriage, one key to why she left was because her church leadership released her to legally separate. Here's a quote from her blog. I went to church leadership begging for help as my last resort. We were referred to a new couples counselor and a mentor couple. We walked this road with our elder and a campus pastor. We were each given a lengthy list of things to do to move towards reconciliation. My plea for a temporary separation was backed up as they felt things were just too volatile for us to remain under one roof while trying to put things back together. But when assessed at the end... But when assessed at the end of about 15 months, the unanimous decision was that I had done all I had been asked to do and my husband had not. They told me I was released from pursuing reconciliation and that the ball was 100% in my husband's court to save our marriage. They then released me to legal separation, which I pursued. I must say here that had my church leadership not released me to legally separate, I have absolutely no idea where I would be today. If I had to guess, though, I believe I'd still be married and miserable and nowhere near on the road to emotional health. I believe I would not have wanted to go against the wishes and guidance of my church leadership because of my high respect for their wisdom and love for God. I am not staying forever because they did release me, so I moved forward. 
Uh, yeah, of course. We I don't we don't know the specifics of this marriage, but reading some of her experiences, I think it's safe to say if something is too volatile, there's a level of violence that's been present. Um, and to me, that's scary, especially with her acknowledgement that if the church had not given her permission, she would have remained in that volatile relationship. So, what does that teach us? And in my experience, separating would never be permitted with the old church that I was a part of. So that leaves the victim continuing to be a victim. Yeah, and in my opinion, this article, again, was a plea for Christians to understand her view and her desperation to leave her union, which is really depressing. I hate that. Yeah. Still a romantic notion today because, you know, marriage is completely different from what it was a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, apparently still different when it comes to K-dramas and its acquisitions, uh, can be weaponized. And that's what I feel like this has become, these articles are, are, are talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, uh, this is like much less serious, but I want to come back and talk about that because I may or may not have watched the Super Mario Brothers movie last night. <laughs> Wait, because oh, uh, of Peaches? Princess Peach? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, because he's like essentially trying to trap her in a marriage and it's so like sad. Oh no. <laughs> he has a song well, for her. Uh, yes, yes. But then he like, Threatens her friends. and Anyway, I want to come back and talk about it. <laughs> yes, back to the more serious stuff, though. Um, in many of these articles, writers and authors pled different cases on why divorce is dangerous to the Christian community, but that ostracizing them is just as dangerous in decreasing the numbers in the Christian community. However, studies show that many of the divorced Christians are still active in their faith, um, even after going through such a distressing experience, um, though that may change uh, as more people are walking away from their religious background, the research might shift. Um, but with the Christian community, there is a battle between those who are blaming leftists for the acceptance of divorce in their people and those who are pleading for the church to handle the issue of divorce with more grace and acceptance. Right. And because we were coming down to how, how do the churches respond, I got more articles on, again, telling women it's okay, this is how I went through it, uh, than anything else. Uh, and, and, and then talking about how part of the problem and part of the reason uh, divorce is happening and then uh, they're not coming back to the church is because of the way they keep pushing against people who are getting divorced. So not a lot of resolution, not a lot of solutions. Uh, it's quite fascinating. It's just more of a debate about why it's happening and who to blame. Right, 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 right. Again, so much we could talk about here. So, so much to come. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, listeners, if you have any thoughts about this, please, please let us know. Uh, you can write to us. You can email us at uh, stephaniemomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I'm Never Told You. We also have a book you can pre-order. Uh, it's at stuffyoushouldreadbooks.com. Uh, thanks as always to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. Yes, and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. 
not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.